Section 7 of In Ghostly Japan. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Avai in November 2010. In Ghostly Japan by Lefkady O'Hearn. Section 7. A Passional Karma. Part 2. 7. The high priest Ryoseki was a learned and a holy man. By spiritual vision he was able to know the secret of any sorrow and the nature of the karma that had caused it. He heard unmoved the story of Shinzaburo and said to him, A very great danger now threatens you because of an error committed in one of your former states of existence. The karma that binds you to the dead is very strong, but if I tried to explain its character, you would not be able to understand. I shall therefore tell you only this, that a dead person has no desire to injure you out of hate, feels no enmity towards you. She is influenced, on the contrary, by the most passionate affection for you. Probably the girl has been in love with from a time long preceding your present life, from a time of not less than three or four past existences, and it would seem that, although necessarily changing her form and condition at each succeeding birth, she has not been able to cease from following after you. Therefore, it will not be an easy thing to escape from her influence. But now I am going to lend you this powerful mamori. Footnote the japanese word mamori has significations at least as numerous as those attaching to our own term amulet it would be impossible in a mere footnote even to suggest the variety of japanese religious objects to which the name is given in this instance the mamori is a very small image probably enclosed in a miniature shrine of lacquer-work or metal over which a silk cover is drawn such little images were often worn by samurai on the person. I was recently shown a miniature figure of Kwanon in an iron case, which had been carried by an officer through the Satsuma War. He observed, with good reason, that it had probably saved his life, for it had stopped a bullet of which the dent was plainly visible. End footnote. It is a pure gold image of that Buddha called the sea-sounding Tathagata, Kai on yorai, because his preaching of the law sounds through the world like the sound of the sea. And this little image is especially a shiryo yokke, which protects the living from the dead. Footnote. From shiryo, a ghost, and yokeru, to exclude. The Japanese have two kinds of ghosts proper in their folklore. The spirits of the dead, shiryo, and the spirits of the living, ikiryo. A house or a person may be haunted by an ikiryo as well as by a shiryo. End footnote. This you must wear in its covering next to your body, under the girdle. Besides, I shall presently perform in the temple a segaki service for the repose of the troubled spirit. Footnote. A special service accompanying offerings of food etc to those dead having no living relatives or friends to care for them is thus termed in this case however the service would be of a particular and exceptional kind End footnote. 
and here is a holy sutra called ubo darani kyo or treasure reigning sutra you must be careful to recite it every night in your house without fail footnote the name would be more correctly written ubo darani kyo it is the japanese pronunciation of the title of a very short sutra translated out of sanskrit into chinese by the indian priest amogavajra probably during the eighth century the chinese text contains transliterations of some mysterious sanskrit words apparently talismanic words like those to be seen in kern's translation of the sadharma pundarika chapter twenty six furthermore i shall give you this package of ofuda you must paste one of them over every opening of your house no matter how small footnote ofuda is the general name given to religious texts used as charms or talismans they are sometimes stamped or burned upon wood but more commonly written or printed upon narrow strips of paper ofuda are pasted above house entrances on the walls of rooms upon tablets placed in household shrines etc some kinds are worn about the person others are made into pellets and swallowed as spiritual medicine the text of the larger ofuda is often accompanied by curious pictures or symbolic illustrations End footnote if you do this the power of the holy texts will prevent the dead from entering but whatever may happen do not fail to recite the sutra shinzaburo humbly thanked the high priest and then taking with him the image the sutra and the bundle of sacred texts he made all haste to reach his home before the hour of sunset Eight with yusai's advice and help shinzaburo was able before dark to fix the holy texts over all the apertures of his dwelling then the ninsomi returned to his own house leaving the youth alone night came warm and clear shinzaburo made fast the doors bound the precious amulet about his waist entered his mosquito net and by the glow of a night lantern began to recite to ubo darani kyo for a long time he chanted the words comprehending little of their meaning then he tried to obtain some rest but his mind was still too much disturbed by the strange events of the day midnight passed and no sleep came to him at last he heard the boom of the great temple bell of dentsu in announcing the eighth hour footnote according to the old japanese way of counting time this yatsudoki or eighth hour was the same as our two o'clock in the morning each japanese hour was equal to two european hours so that there were only six hours instead of our twelve and these six hours were counted backwards in the order nine eight seven six five four thus the ninth hour corresponded to our midday or midnight half past nine to our one o'clock eight to our two o'clock two o'clock in the morning also called the hour of the ox was the japanese hour of ghosts and goblins End footnote. it ceased and shinzaburo suddenly heard the sound of geta approaching from the old direction but this time more slowly karan koron karan koron 
At once a cold sweat broke over his forehead. Opening the sutra hastily with trembling hand, he began again to recite it aloud. The steps came nearer and nearer, reached the live hedge, stopped. Then, strange to say, Shinzaburo felt unable to remain under his mosquito net. Something stronger even than his fear impelled him to look, and instead of continuing to recite the Ubo Darani Kyo, he foolishly approached the shutters, and through a chink peered out into the night. Before the house he saw Otsuyu standing, and Oyone with the peony lantern, and both of them were gazing at the Buddhist texts pasted above the entrance. Never before, not even in what time she lived, had Otsuyu appeared so beautiful, and Shinzaburo felt his heart drawn towards her with a power almost resistless. But the terror of death and the terror of the unknown restrained, and there went on within him such a struggle between his love and his fear that he became as one suffering in the body the pains of the Shonetsu hell. Footnote. Ennetsu or Shonetsu, Sanskrit Tapana, is the sixth of the eight hot hells of Japanese Buddhism. One day of life in this hell is equal in duration to thousands, some say millions, of human years. End footnote. Presently he heard the voice of the maidservant, saying, My dear mistress, there is no way to enter. The heart of Hagiwara-sama must have changed. For the promise that he made last night has been broken, and the doors have been made fast to keep us out. We cannot go in tonight. It will be wiser for you to make up your mind not to think any more about him, because his feeling towards you has certainly changed. It is evident that he does not want to see you, so it will be better not to give yourself any more trouble for the sake of a man whose heart is so unkind. But the girl answered, weeping, Oh, to think that this could happen after the pledges which we made to each other. Often I was told that the heart of a man changes as quickly as the sky of autumn, Yet surely the heart of Hagiwara-sama cannot be so cruel that he should really intend to exclude me in this way. Dear Rione, please find some means of taking me to him. Unless you do, I will never, never go home again. Thus she continued to plead, veiling her face with her long sleeves, and very beautiful she looked, and very touching, but the fear of death was strong upon her lover. Oyone at last made answer. My dear young lady, why will you trouble your mind about a man who seems to be so cruel? Well, let us see if there be no way to enter at the back of the house. Come with me. And taking Otsuyu by the hand, she led her away toward the rear of the dwelling, and there the two disappeared as suddenly as the light disappears when the flame of a lamp is blown out. 9. Night after night the shadows came at the hour of the ox, and nightly Shinzaburo heard the weeping of Otsuyu. Yet he believed himself saved, little imagining that his doom had already been decided by the character of his dependents. Yomoso had promised Yuzai never to speak to any other person, not even to Omine, of the strange events that were taking place but Tomoso was not long suffered by the haunters to rest in peace. 
Night after night, Oyone entered into his dwelling, and roused him from his sleep, and asked him to remove the Ofuda placed over one very small window at the back of his master's house. And Tomoso, out of fear, as often promised her to take away the Ofuda before the next sundown, but never by day could he make up his mind to remove it, believing that evil was intended to Shinzaburo. At last, in a night of storm, Oyone startled him from slumber with a cry of reproach, and stooped above his pillow and said to him, Have a care how you trifle with us. If by tomorrow night you do not take away that text, you shall learn how I can hate. And she made her face so frightful as she spoke that Tomoso nearly died of terror. Omine, the wife of Tomoso, had never till then known of these visits. Even to her husband they had seemed like bad dreams. But on this particular night it chanced that, waking suddenly, she heard the voice of a woman talking to Tomoso. Almost in the same moment the talking ceased, and when Omine looked about her, she saw, by the light of the night lamp, only her husband, shuddering and white with fear. The stranger was gone, the doors were fast, it seemed impossible that anybody could have entered. Nevertheless, the jealousy of the wife had been aroused, and she began to chide and to question Tomoso in such a manner that he thought himself obliged to betray the secret, and to explain the terrible dilemma in which he had been placed. Then the passion of Omine yielded to wonder and alarm, but she was a subtle woman, and she devised immediately a plan to save her husband by the sacrifice of her master. And she gave Tomoso a cunning counsel, telling him to make conditions with the dead. They came again on the following night at the hour of the ox, and Omine hid herself on hearing the sound of their coming, Karan, Koron, Karan, Koron. But Tomoso went out to meet them in the dark, and even found courage to say to them what his wife had told him to say. It is true that I deserve your blame, but I had no wish to cause you anger. The reason that the Ofuda has not been taken away is that my wife and I are able to live only by the help of Hagiwara-sama, and that we cannot expose him to any danger without bringing misfortune upon ourselves. But if we could obtain the sum of a hundred ryo in gold, we should be able to please you, because we should then need no help from anybody. Therefore, if you will give us a hundred ryo, I can take the Ofuda away without being afraid of losing our only means of support. When he had uttered these words, Oyone and Otsuyu looked at each other in silence for a moment. Then Oyone said, Mistress, I told you that it was not right to trouble this man, as we have no just cause of ill-will against him. But it is certainly useless to fret yourself about Hagiwara-sama, because his heart has changed towards you. Now, once again, my dear young lady, let me beg you not to think any more about him. But Otsuyu, weeping, made answer, Dear Yone, whatever may happen, I cannot possibly keep myself from thinking about him. You know that you can get a hundred ryo to have the Ofuda taken off. Only once more, I pray, dear Yone, only once more bring me face to face with Hagiwara-sama, 
I beseech you. And, hiding her face with her sleeve, she thus continued to plead. Oh, why will you ask me to do these things? responded Oyone. You know very well that I have no money. But since you will persist in this whim of yours, in spite of all that I can say, I suppose that I must try to find the money somehow, and to bring it here to-morrow night. Then, turning to the faithless Tomoso, she said, Tomoso, I must tell you that Hagiwara-sama now wears upon his body a mamori called by the name of Kai-on-nyorai, and that so long as he wears it, we cannot approach him. So you will have to get that mamori away from him, by some means or other, as well as to remove the ofuda. Tomoso feebly made answer. That also I can do, if you will promise to bring me the hundred ryo. Well, mistress, said Oyone, you will wait, will you not, until tomorrow night? Oh, dear Yone, sobbed the other, have we to go back tonight again without seeing Hagiwara-sama? Ah, oh, it is cruel. And the shadow of the mistress, weeping, was led away by the shadow of the maid. 10. Another day went, and another night came, and the dead came with it. But this time no lamentation was heard without the house of Hagiwara, for the faithless servant found his reward at the hour of the ox, and removed the ofuda. Moreover, he had been able, while his master was at the bath, to steal from its case the golden mamori, and to substitute it for an image of copper, and he had buried the kai-on-yorai in a desolate field. So the visitants found nothing to oppose their entering. Veiling their faces with their sleeves, they rose and passed, like a steaming of vapour, into the little window from over which the holy text had been torn away. But what happened thereafter within the house, Tomoso never knew. The sun was high before he ventured again to approach his master's dwelling and to knock upon the sliding doors. For the first time in years he obtained no response, and the silence made him afraid. Repeatedly he called and received no answer. Then, aided by Omine, he succeeded in effecting an entrance and making his way alone to the sleeping room where he called again in vain. He rolled back the rumbling shutters to admit the light, but still within the house there was no stir. At last he dared to lift a corner of the mosquito net. But no sooner had he looked beneath than he fled from the house with a cry of horror. Shinzaburo was dead, hideously dead, and his face was the face of a man who had died in the uttermost agony of fear and lying beside him in the bed were the bones of a woman, and the bones of the arms and the bones of the hands clung fast about his neck. 11. Hakuodo Yusai, the fortune-teller, went to view the corpse at the prayer of the faithless Tomoso. The old man was terrified and astonished at the spectacle, but looked about him with a keen eye. He soon perceived that the Ofuda had been taken from the little window at the back of the house, and on searching the body of Shinzaburo, he discovered that the golden mamori had been taken from its wrapping, and a copper image of Fudo put in place of it. He suspected Tomoso of the theft, 
but the whole occurrence was so very extraordinary that he thought it prudent to consult with the priest Ryoseki before taking further action. Therefore, after having made a careful examination of the premises, he betook himself to the temple Shinbazui Inn as quickly as his aged limbs could bear him. Ryoseki, without waiting to hear the purpose of the old man's visit, at once invited him into a private apartment. "'You know that you are always welcome here,' said the Ryoseki. "'Please seat yourself at ease. Well, I am sorry to tell you that Hagiwara-sama is dead.' Yusai wonderingly exclaimed, "'Yes, he is dead, but how did you learn of it?' The priest responded, "'Hagiwara-sama was suffering from the results of an evil karma, and his attendant was a bad man.' What happened to Hagiwara-sama was unavoidable. His destiny had been determined from a time long before his last birth. It will be better for you not to let your mind be troubled by this event. Yuzai said, I have heard that a priest of pure life may gain power to see into the future for a hundred years, but truly this is the first time in my existence that I have heard proof of such power still there is another matter of which i am very anxious you mean interrupted ryoseki the stealing of the holy mamori the kai on yorai but you must not give yourself any concern about that the image has been buried in a field and it will be found there and returned to me during the eighth month of the coming year so please do not be anxious about it more and more amazed, the old Ninsomi ventured to observe, I have studied the Inyo and the science of divination, and I make my living by telling people's fortunes, but I cannot possibly understand how you know these things. Footnote. The male and female principles of the universe, the active and passive forces of nature. Yusai refers here to the old Chinese nature philosophy, better known to Western readers by the name Feng Shui. End footnote. Ryoseki answered gravely, Never mind how I happen to know them. I now want to speak to you about Hagiwara's funeral. The house of Hagiwara has its own family cemetery, of course, but to bury him there would not be proper. He must be buried beside Otsuyu, the Lady Ijima, for his karma relation to her was a very deep one. And it is but right that you should erect a tomb for him at your own cost, because you have been indebted for him for many favors. Thus it came to pass that Shinzaburo was buried beside Otsuyu in the cemetery of Shinbanzui Inn in Yanako no Sasaki. Here ends the story of the ghosts in the romance of the Peony Lantern. My friend asked me whether the story had interested me, and I answered by telling him that I wanted to go to the cemetery of Shinbanzui Inn, so as to realize more definitely the local color of the author's studies. I shall go with you at once, he said. But what did you think of the personages? To Western thinking, I made answer, Shinsaburo is a despicable creature. I have been mentally comparing him with the true lovers of our old ballad literature. They were only too glad to follow a dead sweetheart into the grave, 
and nevertheless being christians they believed that they had only one human life to enjoy in this world but shinsaburo was a buddhist with a million lives behind him and a million lives before him and he was too selfish to give up even one miserable existence for the sake of the girl that came back to him from the dead then he was even more cowardly than selfish although a samurai by birth and training he had to beg a priest to save him from ghosts in every way he proved himself contemptible and otsuyu did quite right in choking him to death from the japanese point of view likewise my friend responded shinzaburo is rather contemptible but the use of this weak character helped the author to develop incidents that could not otherwise perhaps have been so effectively managed to my thinking the only attractive character in the story is that of oyone type of the old-time loyal and loving servant intelligent shrewd full of resource faithful not only unto death but beyond death well let us go to shinbanzui in we found the temple uninteresting and the cemetery an abomination of desolation spaces once occupied by graves had been turned into potato patches between were tombs leaning at all angles out of the perpendicular tablets made illegible by scurf empty pedestals shattered water tanks and statues of buddhas without heads or hands recent rains had soaked the black soil leaving here and there small pools of slime about which swarms of tiny frogs were hopping everything except the potato patches seemed to have been neglected for years in a shed just within the gate we observed a woman cooking and my companion presumed to ask her if she knew anything about the tombs described in the romance of the peony lantern ah the tombs of otsuyu and oyone she responded smiling you will find them near the end of the first row at the back of the temple next to the statue of jiso surprises of this kind i had met with elsewhere in japan we picked our way between the rain pools and between the green ridges of young potatoes whose roots were doubtless feeding on the substance of many another otsuyu and oyone and we reached at last to lichen-eaten tombs of which the inscriptions seemed almost obliterated. Beside the larger tomb was a statue of Chiso with a broken nose. The characters are not easy to make out, said my friend, but wait. He drew from his sleeve a sheet of soft white paper, laid it over the inscription, and began to rub the paper with a lump of clay. As he did so, the characters appeared in white on the blackened surface. Eleventh day, third month, rat, elder brother, fire, sixth year of Horeki, Anno Domini, 1756. This would seem to be the grave of some innkeeper of Netsu named Kichibei. Let us see what's on the other monument. With a fresh sheet of paper, he presently brought out the text of a kaimyo and read, Enmyo in hoyo itenkenshi honi none of the law illustrious pure of heart and will famed in the law inhibiting the mention of the preaching of wonder the grave of some buddhist nun what utter humbug i exclaimed that woman was only making fun of us now 
my friend protested. You're unjust to the woman. You came here because you wanted a sensation, and she tried her very best to please you. You did not suppose that ghost story was true, did you? End of section 7